0: Discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents Begin Again The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher was ordained in 1979 as a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. He obtained his doctorate from the Gregorian University and he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teachings about the spiritual life. Father Gallagher is the author of several books published by the Crossroads Publishing Company on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the life of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. Father Gallagher is featured on the EWTN series, Living the Discerning Life, the Spiritual Teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Begin Again, The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. continue our discussions on the letters of spiritual direction sent by venerable Bruno Lanteri to an Italian laywoman by the name of Gabriella. In the second letter we encounter a very concerned spiritual director, don't we?
1: Now in this situation Gabriella's son Clemente, the one who would become the, the have the political career that we described is leaving Turin where he is uh, going to school, to go back to the family home. And so the Venerable Aunt Terry sits down and jots a note for Gabriella. So in this case, he's not replying to a letter from her, but is simply taking the opportunity that presents itself to send a word of spiritual encouragement to her. So he says, well, what should I say to you, since I don't know exactly exactly how things are going spiritually for you? And he says what by now we would expect him to say. So he says, I'll take a sure course, and that is to counsel you to begin each day, abandoning the past to the mercy of God and the future to his divine providence. And if we think about that, I think it becomes all the more possible for us to live with that hope that we Uh, that we can really begin every day. We leave the past with peace to the mercy of God. It's in very, very loving and good hands. And we also leave the future to His divine providence, which will always be with us. And now I have today, the today that God's grace has given me, and I'll begin again with my spiritual life, my efforts to love and to serve and to grow in holiness toward the Lord. He says to her, too, something that he repeats uh, frequently, and that is, as you face the different tasks of your day, of being a wife and a mother, and the various uh, temporal concerns as regards the family, do all of this, the activity that will fill your day, do all of this with the sense, and this is the truth of it, that all of this is a mission that God has entrusted to you. God has caused you to enter the world at this time in these circumstances as the wife of this husband and the mother of these children in these financial circumstances and the situations of health that are part of your own life and those of your family. And God has given you a number of tasks to do in the course of the day so that she doesn't simply do them because they have to be done and that's just the way life is. But that she's doing these with a clear sense that these are tasks that God has given her. When you send someone on a commission, someone to do a task for you, that's the way we undertake the different activities of every day. And that gives the spiritual truth and meaning to the uh, seemingly and otherwise very mundane things about going shopping or preparing a meal or finishing the work at the office and the many things that fill each day. And again he invites her to be attentive to the virtue of patience and gentleness, invites her to focus especially in her examine on that uh, growth in the virtue of patience and gentleness. Recalls to her again the meditation for fifteen minutes, the spiritual reading in the course of of only a page, perhaps in the course of a day, if that's all she can do, raising up her heart to God, receiving communion at least two or three times a week. Now, one last thing from this letter. Uh, He tells Gabriella that he'd be very happy if the occasion will arise for him to actually visit her so that he can learn more in person how things are going for her and offer help in that more direct way. And uh, surprisingly, he tells her that uh, my eyes are getting weaker. And this was a point in his life in which he had severe problems of the eyes and At this particular point, his eyes continued to get weak, uh, increasingly weaker. And because of that, he has to let go a number of occupations and commitments and apostolic tasks that he had planned to do. And so he tells her, um, that may make it all the more possible for me, in fact, to come and to visit. As I read that, it struck me that The way Venerable Antari deals with his problems of health is not simply to reluctantly give up and relinquish what he can no longer do because of problems of health, but to find the new opportunities in the relinquishing of the things he had hoped to do. It's a remarkable little window into the way he lived the entirety of his life, dealing with such poor health as he did throughout his life.
0: It also is, it's very telling that this, uh, it's really quite a little letter actually, but it would be one that she would keep. Just the fact that he reached out to her, it isn't as though, you know, oftentimes with spiritual directions, sometimes we initiate the contact with the spiritual director, but in this case, his care and concern for for those others, especially given the course of all the activity in his day, that it was received in a what appears to be in a very precious way.
1: You mentioned in the first of the letters how he tells her that receiving her letter was a real joy for him, just to know how the family was doing and then to know how things were going spiritually for her. And what you pick up on on this one, Chris, I think very, very nicely, is that in this case, he's taking the initiative to encourage her spiritually and how much that must have meant to her to know that um, not only is he responding warmly when she reaches out, but he hasn't forgotten her and her spiritual needs. It's quite likely that she kept all of the letters that he wrote. Others did. Um, when they, when her daughter-in-law went through her papers to, to see what had been kept, she only found these three. And, that, and that's all that's come down to us today. But I'd say it's probably... Um, probably was the case that she kept all of them and probably uh, referred to them, uh, I would think, from time to time, not only in the moment in which they were received, because it was such a consistent and, and, and rich spiritual program. I, I think that all of those for whom Venerable Lanteri was the spiritual director must have felt something of what you notice here, Chris, that he wasn't just doing a job. Uh, they were he was the shepherd and, and these were his sheep and he loved them he rejoiced in their joys and suffered with them in their sorrows as we'll see in the one remaining letter he, he walked with them on the spiritual journey not only with wisdom but with a warm heart and they knew they knew the love that he had for them and i'm sure it was that which made them so open and so receptive to the spiritual wisdom that he shared with them.
0: We'll return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. The Councils of Mercy, an excerpt from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary.
1: Above all, I recommend with all my heart that you guard against discouragement, disturbance, and sadness. Seek always to keep your poor heart in peace, and encourage it, and always to serve God with holy joy. Be of good heart, because the Lord is with you, and he loves you.
0: For more excerpts from the writings of Venerable Bruno Lanteri, visit DiscerningHearts.com. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. Or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile and the more listeners will discover us. Listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We now return to Begin Again with Father Timothy Gallagher. You refer to the next letter as one that I have to say, Father Gallagher, it probably will go down for me anyway as a classic example of how to express united sorrow in a way of solidarity, but then the encouragement, not just pastoral, but a a, a very human type of encouragement to begin again.
1: The most uh, recent time that I spoke on the Venerable N. Terry, we had a day in a parish with a few hundred people, maybe about 300 people there, and uh, I was very struck myself to find that of all the different quotations and letters and texts of the Venerable N. Terry that we explored, it was this letter more than any other that spoke to people's hearts. My guess would be that the many people who said something to me about how much this letter touched them probably had experienced what Gabriella experienced in um, in the setting of this letter and with different nuances but what has happened is that the venerable N. Terry has just learned from Gabriella's mother-in-law that Gabriella has lost her her youngest child Enrico still at a very young age and so he again he's not responding to a letter from her he's just learned about this and so right away he sits down and and writes this letter probably uh, the venerable Bruno knew this young child Enrico personally from the way he writes Uh, he says here in the letter that he had such wonderful qualities that no one could help loving him. And my guess would be that from his visits from time to time to the family he had met, this uh, young, youngest child, Enrico, and knew, as apparently those did who, uh, who knew him, of um, just the, the wonderful young little boy that he was. He had such wonderful qualities that no one could help loving him. And, and knowing immediately what this is going to mean poor Gabriella, he sits down and writes this letter to her. And he doesn't start with the spiritual; he starts with the human. And that he says he says, as I think of the deep sorrow that your heart must be feeling, um, I, un- I can understand that you have every reason to feel pain and to shed tears. What could be more painful for you than the loss of this young boy, Enrico, your youngest son? And if, if all of those who, who knew him just really loved him and liked him, how much more his mother? And so he, he begins his letter simply by, by reverencing and validating the deep, deep, deep human sorrow that this mother feels at the loss of her child. He doesn't go by that. He doesn't try to say you shouldn't be feeling that. Uh, He understands it, reverences it, it, but doesn't stay there either. Then he moves on to the level of faith. And so he says on another level, which is now the spiritual level, I share with you a, a joy, a gladness that you've gained very surely a protector in heaven. Now, I just can imagine what it must have meant for this mother to hear from someone like Venerable Anteri, whose whose wisdom and grasp of spiritual truth she, she trusts so deeply. To know from him, she may know this on the level of faith that her young son is certainly with the Lord, but to hear this and to see this said to her, in this letter that he is very surely in heaven she very surely has a protector in heaven uh, must have been very uplifting and heartwarming for this mother and her deep sorrow and he tells her that you now have a protector in heaven who cannot fail to care for you from his heart he's your son and so he says just because precisely because of the deep love you have for him Turn your thoughts to the eternal joy that he's experiencing, share that with him, and be very sure that you have not lost him. That's not true. You've lost him only from sight and not in reality," he tells her. And then he begins to expand on this. Consider that he's at your side like another angel, It may be that he has in mind the guardian angel that God has given to each of us who is always at our side to assist us is the the channel of god's love in the course of the day consider now that together with that angel you have your young son enrico also with you at your side throughout the course of the day that he encourages you in your spiritual life wants you to share his joy that he assures you of the efforts that he makes on your behalf before god before the throne of the trinity venerable bruno says on your behalf For her husband, his father, his brother, and his two sisters to obtain all the graces that you need for eternal salvation. And then it may be that these next lines are the parts that really speak so much to people. I'll just quote them literally. Remain in continual and loving conversation with him. Stay in communion with him in the communion of the saints. This is exactly what the communion of the saints means. Those of us here on earth and those of us who have gone before in the grace of God and now live in communion with God, have a communion among ourselves. We can truly be in spiritual communion, in the communion of the saints. And in that communion of saints, remain in continual and loving conversation with him. And he tells her, speak to him about whatever is going on in your heart, whatever is going on around you in the family or anything of any importance to you. And be on guard, he says, of ever thinking that he is uncaring toward you or powerless to help you. Because that would be not to understand the immense love and, he says, the almost infinite power that each of the blessed with the Lord enjoys as they share in all of the the blessedness and the power and the grace of God. And so, and this is kind of bold, but Everything that has been said before prepares this now. If you, before you had no reason to become discouraged in the service of God, there is less reason now. And he says, I would add that if it were possible for your little Enrico to feel any sorrow, even now in heaven, it would be to see you discouraged and saddened, whether because of him or your own failings or any other difficulty in the service of God." So that, he says, that will be the answer to the the sadness and the anxiety and the fearfulness of heart that you may experience. That is that with the grace of God, the thought that with the grace of God and the protection of your little child Enrico, you can do all things. And then he asks her to take this letter and to share it with her two daughters because he knows well the deep sorrow that will be in their heart as well and to tell them that He shares in their sorrow and their pain. He'll keep them present as he celebrates the mass each day, seeking God's consolation for them." So, that's the context of the letter, and it's not surprising that Gabriella would have kept that letter. And I think we're not far from the truth in imagining that she must have read that many times, probably in those first weeks and months, and maybe for a long time afterward finding in in that the the consolation that our faith can offer at such difficult times
0: it's such a tremendous letter father gallagher and on so many different levels not only for her own spiritual desire for consolation and his attempt to help her to to receive that but also in that it so many different elements of our faith are taught in this letter from the remaining in the the holy trinity to even can i say it, it it's almost there's catholic social doctrine in, in the effect that it's solidarity it's okay you're experiencing this now pass it on and bring your daughters along don't you know and he's he's imploring her i beg you to share some of these reflections with them you know, bring others with you in this. So, uh, nothing is lost. I mean, it is, it, it, it really, it, it's a classic piece.
1: Well, it, it certainly brings the perennial truths of our faith to one specific situation. But I think, as I said earlier, the reason why so many people seem to love that letter is precisely because of what you've said. It may be a spouse that they've lost. It may be an adult child. It may be a, a sibling. It may be a friend, someone who was very dear in our lives, or a more distant relative who is so important to us. And what we sense is that the content of this letter speaks to every one of those situations. These are the same truths, the, the, the deep reverence for the human sorrow. I, I think as I uh, say that of when Jesus sees the sorrow in Mary and Martha at the death of Lazarus and he weeps too and is not ashamed of those tears. It, the validation of the human sorrow with a deep, deep, deep reverence and respect for that. But then the lifting of our hearts up to the truth which consoles, which gives meaning and a way forward, that nothing is lost in the communion of saints, that the relationship remains. And not only that, but spiritually speaking, a new richness now enters as that person is close to God and can assist and accompany us in ways that were not possible before. That message is perennial. And that message, it has that social dimension. It applies to every situation. And the person who is himself or herself filled with that truth can then share it with others, others in the family, others who share that same sorrow or a similar sorrow for the loss of a loved one in their own situations in life. The grace just keeps expanding.
0: Oh, beautiful way of putting it. It is one of those that even upon reading it, anyone who's ever grieved in whatever, whatever dimension that it might be, and anyone who tried to console. Th- this particular letter from this incredibly holy and gifted spiritual director, it, it really does give us a, a model in which we can help to, uh, to be present for others.
1: Yes, and the, the initial setting of this letter is... Right when the loss is recent, right when the human sorrow is at its, its, its sharpest, and right in that situation, this message comes. But it will continue to be valid because our, our hearts don't forget, obviously, that the deep sense of human loss remains. And so th- these words can become increasingly rich over time as time allows our hearts to to enter into them more deeply and to experience the truth of them. So I think, as you say, Chris, this really applies to anyone who has lost a loved one and at any stage of the journey in dealing with such situations.
0: It's such a gift for us to be able to have now this very private letter between the director and his directee, a source of spiritual reading for us today.
1: So I often think when we read a text like this or from so many of the saints that they themselves as regards for example a written text like this written in a given moment to a specific person would never dream that a conversation for example like this would be taking place 200 years later based on that letter when we strive to be faithful to the Lord in the seemingly even small things uh, of each day, and try to promote goodness and holiness and steps toward deepening in the faith, we can never foresee the many ways in which those humble and often hidden steps in the moment may continue to bear fruit down through the years in people's hearts and lives, and through them in, in many others. It's a beautiful witness to the power of, you know, the he dropped the pebble into the surface of the water. It's that, that kind of experience that the good that we do just keeps going out.
0: Wonderfully said. Uh, a final thought, Father Gallagher?
1: I think we witness in these three letters a man who understands deeply, how essential the spiritual life and the life of faith are. Speaking to a woman who also understands that and who wants her faith and her life as a response to Jesus and a yes to her vocation, wants her life to be increasingly that. When our hearts are open that way to receive this kind of truth, then God's grace can work very, very deeply. And that's our hope.
0: Thank you so much, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to Begin Again, the spiritual legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We pray that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we ask that you tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Begin Again. The Spiritual Legacy of Venerable Bruno Lanteri with Father Timothy Gallagher.